Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, today we're starting a new series, and um, I had passed out these, or these, these got to some of you, and again, they're, they're going to be out uh, by the door. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to have um, all of the, I'm just going to fix this for a second. Uh, one of the reasons why um, I wanted to have all 18 verses there is because each verse, or at least 16 of them, summarize a book of the prophets. And this is a part of scripture that many of us might not be very familiar with. There might be some names on here where you're thinking, I don't think that's a book. Um, There might be other ones where you're just not sure what's in there. Um, So I encourage you to take a look, uh, read the different stanzas. Are there any that stand out to you? Uh, Does this make you want to read perhaps what's in any of those books? Um, I say that for myself because when I first came across this song, verse or stanza 13 stood out to me. Um, It made me want to search out Habakkuk. And I'm going to just read it right now to give us a context of what it is before we get to our, our reading of Scripture here. The stanza says, O Lord, how long will you not hear your servant's plea? How many chains must I endure before you set me free? I cry, and still you turn away. My tears an empty wave. Yet I will keep my vow to praise, and you your vow to save. I invite you to open up your Bibles to Habakkuk. Um, If you are uncertain of where it is, um, little hints, um, it's after Nahum and before, or no, yeah, after Nahum and after it is Zephaniah. Uh, if you're still not sure where it is, page 1456. Uh, the title for today I changed uh, to Negotiating Rugged Terrain, and you'll see why, hopefully, um, at the end. Okay. Uh, So we're going to be starting at verse 2 of Habakkuk chapter 1, and then we're just going to jump all the way to the end. So we're going to get the book ends and come back at verse 16 of chapter 3. So starting at chapter 1, verse 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Here, Habakkuk is is voicing his, his deep sorrow about what he sees around him. And we're going to pick up on verse 16 of chapter 3 at the very end after he encounters the living God. This is his response. I heard, and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come upon the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, 
and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there is no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. For the director of music on my stringed instruments. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've been uh, taking a course uh, alongside some other people in the church, the Sanctuary uh, Mental Health course. And one of the things I've really enjoyed in it is there's a 10-minute video that gives a testimony. It gives stories from people's lives and their experience of what mental health problems and mental health challenges and mental illness looked like for them. And one, one testimony that really stood out to me was someone who just shared that they really felt that they didn't really have a story of mental health until they had gone through it. That they really feel, they felt like they couldn't share about it until they had gotten better, as they kind of put it. One of the reasons why this is because so often in the church, the only testimonies, the only stories that they really heard were ones of, of victory. And they felt that they couldn't share until they had that story of victory. They didn't have any way of sharing in the midst of their struggle. The stories that we're very familiar with are, I've, I've had an addiction and now I'm free. I had struggles and then I found Jesus and now that's, that's over, so now I can bring it forward. But, but what about the people who have something that lasts for a long time? Is, is there space for stories of suffering within the church? Do, does the Christian story have space for suffering within it? Um, in that person's experience, when they shared their story, their answer was that they didn't think so. Um, they felt that they had to get better before they fully belonged in their community yet again. Uh, the story pointed out that we tend to lack meaningful ways of encountering God in the midst of suffering. Um, a way that I saw this in the midst of the pandemic was the increased um, interest in the end times. Um, and to explain that just a bit. Um, in view of, of global suffering, in view of our own challenges that we were facing, people naturally turned to the Bible for answers. And the most significant answer in the midst of struggle and challenge was just to look towards the end times because there wasn't any other options available to how we deal with our suffering. Well, the, the Bible actually gives some other responses here, and that's one of the reasons why we're going to be looking at Habakkuk here. This is a story that's situated in the midst of suffering. So that's the first point. This is a story told during the challenges. He, Habakkuk here, when he's writing this, he is not out of his place of struggle. There is not an easy end in sight. This is going to be something long-term for him. And in the midst of that, 
He confronts his feelings and he expresses the questions that he has. Let's look at back to uh, chapter one here. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you not listen? I cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Um, For God's prophets, you might expect to hear something uh, maybe a little more pious sounding or, or polite. You might expect a petition before God. Lord, uh, please save us from these people. Uh, tr- turn our hearts towards uh, righteousness. Uh, but that's, that's not what he does. The, the, the prophet here models a different type of prayer. Uh, this is the prayer of someone that's, that's fed up, who is tired. He's grown tired of asking God for help. He's wondering, do I have to ask a hundred times, a thousand times? Do I have to wait for years? Do I have to wait for decades? How long must I call for help, but you not listen? Habakkuk's prayer goes beyond, I think, what most of us would be comfortable in speaking before God here. He's asking God, why won't you listen to me? Why why aren't you doing the types of things that you promised to do? In the midst of his frustrations, Habakkuk brings them before God. They don't just stew inside of him. He's not just told to to toughen it out here, to set aside his grievances and just be happy before God. He brings everything that he has before God. Habakkuk here is modeling lament. Lament be our point two for today. This is something that Habakkuk had learned through the Psalms. The the biblical Psalms model lament for us. A a basic uh, definition for lament, if if we're not familiar with that word, it's just to express our sorrow, to to mourn. Um, But the biblical definition of lament is more than that. It's more than just being sorrowful. The biblical model of lament directs us towards God. It's to take our pain, our suffering, our questions that we have and faithfully present them before God. Lament is permission to speak very personal questions, to be in the midst of the struggle and rather than hide it from God as if that were possible, to offer it as a question, how long must I call for help? but you not listen. Uh, Lament is is a primary way that the Bible teaches us to respond in the midst of suffering. Uh, This is introduced, as I mentioned, mostly through the Psalms. A good portion of the Psalms actually model this form of lament for us. But of course, it shows up in other places. We have a book in the Bible that's actually called Lamentations. Um, You can guess what the content of that is. And you also find it throughout scripture. You find it in books like Habakkuk, which opens up in this space of lament, of questioning, of bringing what he has before God. Um, Going back to that earlier example, uh, the testimony of mental health crisis, lament gives an opportunity for that person to participate in worship in meaningful ways. It gives a context of pain and suffering within the Christian community. 
It models how we come before God as his followers, recognizing that we are called to bring our whole selves before God, including our sadness, including our anger and our frustrations. And this is seen here. Um, When we do not allow for lament in our language of prayer, we signal that there's a part of ourself that we cannot bring before God, that perhaps this is something too big for God to handle. Um, And a big part of lament that I want to make sure that that we're aware of is that despite its appearances, lament expresses a profound trust in God. Lament is about trust in God. It doesn't question God's existence or God's goodness. It simply questions, why must I wait? Why can't I see you acting in the ways that I want Lament allows us to take this human experience of struggle and offer it before God. And it does so, I think an important part of this, is it does so in the context of the worshiping community. This isn't just something that we ask privately. And to note the end of the book, the last words are not, as we might remember, um, he enables me to go on the heights. There's, there's a few words after that. For the director of music on my stringed instruments. Um, I, I looked up this in, in varied translations, and the different ways that it's put is, this prayer is for the song leader to be accompanied by stringed instruments for congregational use with full orchestra, for the choir master with stringed instruments. All, all of these translations indicate that this is something for the community. This is something to be rehearsed as a community before God. Do we have spaces for lament, both individually and corporately? Are we we able to come before God with this level of honesty that's modeled for us in the scriptures? Um, The absence of lament is something that has been a critique, uh, particularly of the church in North America in the last 20 years or so. It's it's gotten a little bit stronger. Uh, I could say even more so amongst like the the worship top songs, uh, the the top 10. Um, They were often full of these songs of victory and joy. And this became problematic, not that joy and victory are problematic in themselves, but when that is the entire content of what we do, there, it seems to say something that I need to be happy, I need to only have this joyous praise and victory. And in the places where I feel spent and weary and not victorious, um, that can be exhausting or, or even um, inauthentic. Uh, but since this critique has been around for a while, um, you'll note that there are responses. There's been songs that now are ready to acknowledge suffering more frequently. Christian songwriters are more willing to engage the fact of challenge, but rarely do they push it past the acknowledgement of suffering into lament, where we bring the sustained question before God. The call is to incorporate lament into our rhythm of worship in a way that gives space for questions that gives space for suffering in the church community. A space where there is a context for us to see 
that we can indeed bring our full selves before God. That's possible. And lament is directed towards a specific God with specific um, promises. This God has promised something, and that's an important part. Um, Now, for those of you that are thinking, uh, this is perhaps a great sermon for someone else. Um, I'm not going through suffering. I'm I'm not in a lot of pain right now. Um, Maybe I'll chalk this one up for later. Um, I have two things that I want to say. First, uh, we need to know about the tools before we come into our places of suffering. When we are in the midst of grief, it is not the time to educate ourselves on lament. Um, We comfort in the midst of grief. We do not educate. Um, So whether for you um, there comes a time where there's personal loss, perhaps dealing with mental health challenges, Uh, maybe corporately, something like a pandemic. The time to educate ourselves on this is not the peak of our disruption. It's not the peak of our trauma or distress. We need to equip ourselves to familiarize ourselves with these tools so that when the time comes, we have a natural way of coming before God. We have a practiced way of coming before God. Second, There are people in this community who are suffering, and we need to educate ourselves on how to come alongside them well. Giving permission for grief and compassionately walking alongside them, I think, is a natural outcome of people who have learned lament well. It says that we do not need to fix these people right away in order for them to be a part of our worshiping community. We can walk alongside them in the midst of their struggles. Leading to part three, encountering God during the struggle. Um, So so far I've I've focused in on lament, uh, the ability to speak to the full self, and now I want to shift gears and, and see what prompts change in the life of Habakkuk. Um, Part two, encountering God in the struggle looks at Habakkuk's experience. Um, We we skipped over this part, but if we um, flip back a page to chapter 2 and look at what verse 1 of chapter 2 is, uh, there's a really important piece, I think. Um, He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts and look to see what he will say to me. Uh, This is the boldness of lament. After he speaks this, he doesn't just speak it and run away from God. He goes to the highest point. Uh, This is 2,000, 3,000 years ago. Um, The way that you would look to your defenses. He's going to the highest point and on the lookout to see what God will do. What is God's response? This is someone who is seeking, actively seeking God in this. And then... From this space, when God does respond, it moves him to his core. Um, If you do read this whole book, you'll notice uh, the questions that he asked aren't really answered. Um, And that the the point of the book is not to resolve all the questions. It is the encounter with God that transforms him, not a logical response to everything that he has asked. 
Um, He has been given permission to bring his full self before God, but this does not force God to answer the questions. But instead, God reveals himself. Uh, Verse 16, that's where we picked up of chapter 3 gives a description of what this encounter with God did to him. I heard, and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, decay crept in my bones, and my legs trembled. His his whole insides turned to mush, basically. He's just like in awe of what this God is. Now, it wasn't about understanding what was happening, but knowing God that anchors him. And this is an important point here because this is what happens when anybody encounters who God is. It reveals something about who you are. Habakkuk identifies himself as a person of God and then to to have the majesty of God set before him, the magnitude of who God truly is, that changes his perception of himself. When we encounter God, it it forms our identity. It reforms us. We know we are held secure not just by some God, but that God, a specific God with specific promises of salvation for us. And church of Jesus Christ, hear this word. Our searching and seeking is centered around an encounter with Jesus the living word. We are called not to come up with our own answer for what's going on in the world, as though God's majesty depended on our ability to explain what God does. We are called to keep our eyes peeled for the God who reveals himself in his word, through Jesus, through the spirit, through others. The gospel good news will always be that it is God who does this work in us. That it is Christ revealing himself to us. That we too can respond like Habakkuk. Maybe emotionally and logically, we, we don't have all the answers. But we can still have this deep-seated trust in God that God is faithful in his promises. So back to that initial example regarding mental health. Stories like Habakkuk help to open a space where a person with languishing mental health can actually be in a space of flourishing in relationship with God. Too often, um, if someone's in the midst of a mental health challenge or mental illness, it's assumed that they need to recover in order to grow spiritually. But there is a space for the person who needs to heal, that can also be fully part. Tensions can be held. Being in a space of hurt and also knowing God's presence dearly. Now, Habakkuk embodies this tension for us. And this is particularly in the final verses of the the passage Uh, We find this terrain of his struggle. There's an invading army coming his way, and he is in a wasteland. Not in my notes, but I'm going to read it because this last piece is probably one of my favorite passages. This, This is a description of the complete 
emptiness that is before him. Starting in verse 17, though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive crops failed and the fields produce no food. If you've spent time in Israel, that's, that's all there is. Um, that's all they can depend on. There is, there's not even a semblance of hope. The, the things aren't budding, letting alone the fact that they're not going to get a crop from that. There's no grapes. There's no crop. Not only that, but there's no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. This is a space of complete helplessness. And he finishes, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. He sings joyfully not because the suffering is taken away, but because he has encountered God and his identity has been formed by being one of God's people. Um, that step that we find at the end of Habakkuk might not happen right away. Uh, we might be stuck in the lament part for a longer period of time. Uh, the questioning part can last for days, it can last for years. But this practice directs us and forms us towards that encounter with God. Being out on the watchtower, being out on the ramparts, seeking God's face is central here. We are no longer simply ourselves before our struggles in this context, but we're drawn into God's story of salvation. It gives it a context that we are held in Jesus. Uh, so allow me to finish with a reflection on the very last verse here. Um, I have it in the New English Translation, the NAT. It says, the sovereign Lord is the source of my strength. He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. Uh, so there's the title there. Um, you'll notice maybe in your passage it says, um, he enables me to go on the heights at the end rather than the rugged terrain. Uh, just to explain that a, a little bit, um, living in Israel, um, I was in Jerusalem for six months, there's, if you want to travel anywhere, you have to travel on the, the peaks of things. There's, there's a lot of deep valleys that you have to go through, and you don't have cars. And even today, the, we have cars, and this is still the way you travel along the peaks, because you're going to be wasting a lot of gas trying to go up and down all of these valleys. And sometimes when you're traveling along the heights, it can be a little precarious. There, there's rocks, there's things. You'll find in the Psalms, there's these reminders of God needing to keep us safe. Psalm 121 talks about uh, our foot not slipping. Um, and you can imagine people walking down here and looking around and seeing the deer kind of just like nimbly prancing around on these peaks. And here Habakkuk says, in, in the space that is so hard for him to negotiate, he says this, he gives me the agility of the deer he enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. So may this uh, be true for you in your lives. May we be able to confront our problems with lament, growing in our language of how we talk to God. And may this be part of a prayer that has the goal of listening and seeking God's face that when we get a glimpse of who God is in Christ, it transforms the very center of our being, that it may not remove us from our place of suffering every time. It does not remove the rugged terrain itself, 
but it gives us the ability to negotiate the rugged terrain that we are called to walk. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, we thank you for the prophets, for these ancient words that come from an unimaginable circumstance, uh, for the boldness of faith in coming before you with questions, and for a community that you call to preserve this. Thank you for the, the many different ways that your word instructs us. Draw us into a deep encounter with you that we may know the gospel good news of Jesus and the freedom that he brings. Give us patience to be like Habakkuk in looking for you from the watchtower that we may catch a glimpse of Jesus and have that move us forward. Amen. Now, as, as we respond here, I, I want to just give special attention to verse 13. Um, allow yourself to identify with all four lines, maybe more the first three or perhaps the last one. Maybe when you're singing it, you can sing it on behalf of someone else if you are not in that space of questioning. But pay attention to how it draws you towards God and pay attention to how these words of the prophets point us towards Jesus. Uh, Let's come before God in prayer. Father, we seek you who are holy we who are unworthy of your mercies, who are privileged to be your people, we are so in need of your grace, so in need of your mercy. We are helpless to erase the stain that we have made in the wrong done by our own hands. We need you. We need you working through your church, throughout the world, through Abbotsford and the surrounding communities. Would you be kind to look upon our people, our children, our grandchildren, our future leaders in this church and give them hearts of justice, sympathy, meekness, compassion, and humility. Lord, in places of disagreement, keep us from vilifying the ones who do not agree with us and from vilifying everyone who does not do the things that we want them to. Give us grace to demonstrate the very love we want to experience from our brothers and sisters. Cause the church at this time to strive for unity in the name of Christ and the power of the Spirit so that when the world looks, they can see Christ and his power is real that he really is the answer and at work through individuals and through systems. In the places where we see pain and suffering, sometimes we simply think back to the words of Jesus from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we too pray, why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning. Yet though we do not always understand 
we hold our trust in you, you who are our rock and our salvation, who enable us to negotiate the rugged terrain. May we seek your face. We pray for those who are experiencing loss in this season. Be a comfort to Martin Behrens and for Karen Reamer as she grieves the loss of her father. We pray for those who are ill, who are battling long-term illnesses, and for those who are shut in and unable to join us, uh, be with Heidi Sadhoff and her continued strength and healing. Be with Hemi Patum as she seeks palliative care. Be her comfort. Uh, we thank you, too, for the healing that we've seen, uh, particularly for Kristen's leg as that regains strength. For all who are unwell, cause them to know the power of your comfort. And for all of us, we thank you that the resurrection means that one day you will bring your resurrecting renewal throughout all of creation. And in the meantime, use us as your servants in this world. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.